today on Bridges, we are going to talk about if only, and I think this episode is for every last one of us who ever has ever said, if only I had done this, or I hadn't done that, or I hadn't said this or that, or whatever that is. Probably we have all said, if only. So I'm glad you could join me for Bridges today. I'm Monica Schmelter. And as we talk about if only, we're going to look into the 11th chapter of John. We've been doing this book study on the book of John, and now we are in chapter 11. And we're going to pick up in a really popular story and a supernatural miracle that Jesus does that actually, while it brings life to Lazarus, it actually puts Jesus in a position where he's even closer to the place where he's going to give his life for all of us. So let's start in John 11. I will start in the first verse there and I'll read from the New Living Translation. It says there, a man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and who wiped them with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus's sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the son of God will receive glory from this. So although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. So as we read this first part of the story, we understand that Jesus is not in the same location as Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And because they're all close, they get a message to Jesus, letting him know that his dear friend Lazarus is sick. And the scripture, you know, Jesus responds that the sickness won't end in death, but that it will bring glory to God. And then it says, so although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. So truth number one that I'll share with you today is One of the things that we have to do in order to grow in our faith and to mature is to understand that his timing is perfect. And for every one of us who's ever heard that truth, even when we know that and believe that, it can be a hard truth because waiting is just hard, right? We often also read into delays and into waiting and we start to think in our own flesh and the world system, maybe people around us sometimes will also suggest, well, you know, maybe you've done something wrong. Maybe that's why the answer is delayed. Maybe I need to do something differently. Like we think that something is wrong. I know that there have been times that in my own life, especially when the wait is long and hard or it's a situation that I don't like, I will even start to second guess myself and I will think wrong thoughts like, well, maybe God is mad at me. Maybe he just doesn't love me. And so I think we have to understand first that this one of the things this truth teaches us, his timing is perfect. Looking at this story of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus is that his delays 
do not mean that he doesn't love us. We see that clearly here. It says, although Jesus loved Martha and Mary and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for two days. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. You know, and you think, and I think, well, well gosh, like if I'm, I'm, if I'm having a crisis, like I need that answer right that second. And yet Jesus stayed where he was. And this truth, number one, his timing is perfect. You know, and I know that sometimes truths like that, as they're said, almost feel like a jab at someone. You know, if you think about, for example, a married woman who has four children and a nice house, you know, colonial three and a half baths, four bedrooms, all of that. She can rest in his timing is perfect when it comes to marriage because she's married and she has a happy marriage and she has children in a nice home. And if she makes a comment to a woman who's single, right, who's had one failed marriage and is working two jobs just to make ends meet and is a single mom, when the married woman says to the single woman, well, his timing is perfect. You know, Mr. Wright will come along when it's God's time. Sometimes that can be said and can be heard as a jab. It can be like a platitude, like, well, his timing is perfect. And I, I want to say this, that is not at all what I mean when I say his timing is perfect. And that's not at all what scripture means. When Jesus says, when his word says that even though he loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for two, two more days, trust in who Christ is allows us to rest in his timing is perfect. This wait, however long and however hard it is, doesn't mean that he doesn't love me, that I've done something wrong, that I'm being punished for some odd reason or you know, all of the things that we can think as people in a broken, fallen world, if they don't line up with scripture, then they're just not truth. But his timing is perfect, can allow us to rest in our wait and in our delays and in the situations in which we do not understand. We can rest in faith and trust. Doesn't mean the wait's not hard. Doesn't mean we have to love it, but that there is a higher level of maturity of faith and trust that says, okay, I've lifted this up in prayer. I know that my father hears me when I pray. His word says the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous avails much. His word says he always hears me when I pray. So I've prayed. 
It tells me to pray without ceasing, so I'll continue to pray, but I'm going to rest in truth. I'm going to trust in Christ. I'm going to understand that God is clearly working something out. His word says that he perfects everything. He is perfecting everything that concerns us. His word says he does not sleep. He does not slumber. He does not go on vacation. So none of that, but right, he is ever present with us. He lives in us and through us. And so we can rest and we can trust even when we do not understand. So we're going to continue along in the book of John. We're going to pick back up at verse 7. And so after Jesus stays where he is for two more days, it says here, finally, he said to his disciples, let's go back to to Judea. It says there, but his disciples objected. Rabbi, they said, only a few days ago, the people in Judea were trying to stone you. Are you going there again? So understand that this exchange between Jesus and his disciples are out of concern for Jesus' safety. The people had just said in that area that they were going to stone him. So now Jesus announces, well, we're going to walk back. We're going to go back over there. And they're like, but wait a minute. They were just uh, trying to stone you. So then after Jesus says, you know, they're going to go, Jesus has a conversation with them that talks about working while it is still light out. And Jesus says something to the effect of, while while it's day, while there's light, we're going to continue to work. There's coming a time, there's coming night when when I won't be able to. So after Thomas hears Jesus say this, then Thomas says, well, let's go die with Jesus. So Thomas was all in on this. They're going to go back to this area where Jesus had been in danger. We'll pick up in verse 17 there. And then it says, when Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in his grave for four days. Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem, and many of the people had come to console Martha and Mary in their loss. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. But Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. You all, if we think about just the sorrow and the grief of both Martha and Mary, if we look at our lives and the if onlys that we've had, the grief, and she sees Jesus and she's like, if only you had been here. So we know that she had to have the thought that Jesus, you know, if you would have come when I first sent for you, if only, if only, then we wouldn't, my brother wouldn't be dead. If only all of this grief and all of this sorrow wouldn't be happening. We all have probably some if onlys in our life. If only you had been here. If only I had done that. If only I wouldn't have done that. If only I wouldn't have said that. If only I wouldn't have taken this job. But but I want to say this first about our if-onlys. One, she's really, this is only what she thinks. It's only what she's speculating. 
in her way of thinking, in her mind, if only Jesus had been there, Lazarus wouldn't have died. But she doesn't really know that. Just like when we allow ourselves to be tormented with our if onlys. You know, if only I had taken that job, if only I had moved there, if only I had done this, then this wouldn't have happened. Really, you all, we don't know that for sure. That's just our speculation. It's quite possible that if Jesus had been there present, that Lazarus still would have died and that Jesus would have raised him from the dead. But here's the thing. When we take over our life in our own thoughts... And we try to reason it out in our own power. We come up with a lot of if onlys. And a lot of us have have friends that will help us or hinder us, I should say, with these if onlys. Well, if only this, if only that. And truth number two that we talk about today out of John chapter 11. Truth number two is Jesus is greater than all of our if onlys. I mean, if we could take every single if only in our lives and in our next door neighbor's lives and we added all of those if onlys up Jesus is still greater there probably isn't one person on planet earth that doesn't have at least a few if onlys thankfully Our lives as believers in Christ, as followers in Christ, our lives are not relegated to the if-onlys. Jesus is greater than our if-onlys. So if you have been in your own mind, in your own heart, in your own life, entertaining your if-only thoughts and adding them all up and coming up with the conclusion that the reason that your life is so bad Is this if only or that if only? Just give that up today. Give that up. Give that up on the authority of God's word. On looking at this John chapter 11 to which Martha says, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. And again, our if onlys and our our speculations are really limited to the power of our own mind And while God has made our minds and our words powerful, they are not all powerful. We don't know all the things in the world. And so rather than focusing on the if only, focusing on Jesus who is greater than our if onlys is the answer. We're going to pick up here in just a moment out of uh, verse 22. I will have all of these scriptures up on the online extras for you. It starts out in verse 22, Martha talking, but even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, he will rise again when everyone else rises at the last day. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live, even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord, she told him. I have always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, 
the one who has come into the world from God. Think about this conversation. Martha is wracked with grief. So is Mary. So are all the people in the town that are wherever they are to give comfort in this time of loss and grief. And in the middle of this crisis, Jesus is telling her, I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? And I think one of the many lessons in this conversation and in this exchange is that in the middle of this crisis, while Martha desperately wants her brother to live, and we can all understand that, you all, death is hard. Death was never God's idea. Death is a result of the fall. It is a result of sin and being separated from God. But Jesus continues to talk to Martha and ask her if she believes, do you believe that I am the resurrection and the life? And she says, you know, of course, I've always believed that. So one of the lessons to look at the crises in our lives, and so many times we get fixated on the result, on the outcome, on the miracle, on the answered prayer. And, you know, I get that. I'm, I'm a person too. There have been some situations, you all, that I have been praying about for years, and I desperately want those prayers to be answered. And in the middle of that state with Martha, Jesus continues to ask her if she believes. And this truth number three is Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And one of the lessons is to hang on to that truth, regardless of what crisis that we might be in. I know for me, I've been praying for some prodigals now for more than 10 years. I can't tell you how many people that I know that were also praying for prodigals and their prayers have been answered. And that person is doing well and going on and growing in the Lord. And so I don't begrudge that. But boy, do I ever wish that uh, my prayer had been answered by now. Never did I think that it would take this long. And yet in the middle of that crisis for me, he still, Jesus is still asking me to believe. Do you believe that I am the resurrection and the life? That truth is the foundation of our life. And that foundation has to stay in place regardless of our problem, our crisis, our trial. And so Jesus is speaking, he's asking her that. And she says, you know, I've always believed that. And we're going to pick up in just a moment when Jesus and Mary and Martha go to the tomb of Lazarus, but hold on to Jesus is the resurrection and the life regardless of what the crisis is, what it is that wakes you up at night, knowing that Jesus is the resurrection and the life is your foundation on which to stand, on which to believe, on which to trust, on which to pray. Jesus as the resurrection and the life will never disappoint, no matter what we have to go through. And again, I'll have all of these verses and so forth up on the website in our online extras. But now let's travel together where Jesus is with Martha and Mary at the tomb of Lazarus. 
And in verse 38, out of John 11, it says, Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb. A cave with the stone rolled across its entrance. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested, Lord, he's been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. But I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here. So they will believe you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth. Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. Okay. So this is quite the miracle in any day and time. And this particular day and time in context, as this is happening, this raising the dead is what theologians call a messianic miracle. In the Old Testament scriptures that prophesy the Messiah, one of the things that, that were, would, be, would mark the Messiah would be a sign of this is the one, this is the Messiah, is the supernatural ability to raise the dead. So now, Jesus was already on everybody's radar, but now he is even more on the radar. He speaks to the dead, Lazarus, and Lazarus comes forth out of the grave. So this messianic miracle now puts Jesus even more in the public eye. And truth number four for today is with Christ, we always have hope. When all hope is gone for everything else and everywhere else with Christ, we always have hope. Now, I do think, and I don't want to uh, in any way, I, I don't want in any way to be mean to Martha. She's been through a lot. Her brother's dead. She sends for Jesus when he's still sick, right? And then she says, well, if only you had been here, this wouldn't have happened. And so now finally, <laughs> she gets what she wants. Jesus and Mary and Martha, as well as others, are at the tomb. I mean, she gets what she wants. She gets Jesus there. And so Jesus starts to do the miracle, roll the stone away, and she's like, <laughs> she protests. Oh, well, he's been in there for four days. Like, Jesus didn't know he'd been in there for four days, but like I said, I don't want to be mean to Martha. Let's give her a break. She's been under a lot of grief and a lot of stress. And she's just trying to tell Jesus with like what she knows in her own mind and heart. That's the truth, right? If somebody's been dead in the tomb for four days, it stinketh. So she's like, it's going to stink. And Jesus, he doesn't, he doesn't scold her. He says, didn't I tell you that you would see the glory of God if you believe? And you all, in so many ways, we're no different than Martha, right? I look at my life and I think, well, I pray 
and I pray with expectancy. I know if only he hears my prayer, if only he answers my prayer, it will be all different. And then we get to a place where we start to see Jesus working, and then we want to tell him, well, here's how you should do it. Like, she's like, well, you know, Jesus, he's going to stink, so, like, you don't want to bring him out here. And whatever it is that we do, we have this idea of how Jesus needs to do things. And we might do well if we give ourselves a break and quit trying to figure it out because he never does anything the way that I think he's going to do it. And I don't think Martha or anybody there imagined, right, that this is how this miracle would come about, that Jesus would call Lazarus from the grave. This particular story is interesting because it's a messianic miracle. It's an answered prayer for so many people, especially Mary and Martha. But Lazarus comes out of the tomb with his grave clothes on. Now, if Jesus raised him from the dead, he could have just brought him out in an everyday outfit, right? But he's still wrapped in grave clothes. And Jesus tells the people, unwrap him and let him go. And in there again is another lesson that we could spend an entire uh, Bridges episode on. But to understand the way that God usually works, he does the supernatural. We do the part that we can in the natural, and he does the supernatural. He asked them to participate in this miracle by unwrapping Lazarus and letting him go. Like I said, he could have called him out of the tomb with just an everyday outfit on. Jesus could have been the one to unwrap Lazarus and let him go. And yet again, here's the call to relationship. Here's the call to let's work together. So in everything that God does, we do our part in the natural. And then he does the part that we cannot do, the supernatural. And we see that again in this story. And again, I will put all of these scriptures and today's truths, we will put all of those on the website, on the online extras. It's just so important to understand that as we pray and as we seek God, to let go of our if-onlys and to understand that with Jesus, it is about a relationship. Even in the midst of miracles, when he does the parts we can't do, there are usually a few things that he asks of us out of obedience. So remember that piece of it too. So this messianic miracle, this calling forth of Lazarus marks Jesus as the Messiah. This is something that people, you know, had not seen happen before. And so today we've talked about truth number one, that his timing is perfect. Truth number two, that Jesus is greater than all of our if onlys. Truth number three, Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Truth number four, with Christ, we always have hope. So I leave you today with today's truth. Jesus is greater than all of our if-onlys. I'm Billy Yancey, entrepreneur, fitness cowboy, father, retired Navy cornerback, and now podcast host. Listen to my new show, Billy and the Goat, on Life Audio. Happy listening.